Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of the Charity Stripe Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Los Angeles. For those listening at home, on the road, in the air, or in the water... Do you believe we have a great show for you guys today? Very exciting stuff. One of the most excited I've ever been for one of our podcast episodes. We have two guests for the price of one. We have Jared Diamond up first of the Wall Street Journal. And then we have Peter Abraham of the Boston Globe. Two guests, all MLB show. It's exciting stuff, guys. So buckle up, tuck it into your waistband, because here we go. Three, two, one... We're back. We sitting here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. the charity stripe hit your free throws because they're free so 217 coming hot at you guys and so 216 and we have a special show for you guys today for the first time ever in the history of tcs we have two guests for the price of one yep as you heard in the intro we have jared diamond of the wall street journal calling in and peter abraham of the boston globe also calling in there's just been so much going on in baseball this past week, week and a half. Um, it's been a tumultuous January for the show, and what better time to have these guys come in and call uh, to discuss the sign-stealing scandal. Um, and also, uh, Peter Abraham voted on the ballot for the Hall of Fame, so he's going to talk about that a little bit. Jared uh, wrote a new book called Swing Kings coming out this spring, so pre-order that. I'm very excited for that one. And it's going to be done a little differently. Um Toss and Nick will be on the first call with me. The second call is just myself, Josh, and Peter Abraham uh, doing that one. And the calls will be broken up by an ad reader too. But we'll try to just relay one after the other and sync them together for you guys. So it's pretty seamless. We want it to be a nice fan experience, okay? Um, so before we get into the first call with Jared, just a friendly reminder that the Charity Stripe Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use the code BLV. Burrow loves victories. BLV. And they'll match your deposit half up to two Gs. So what that means, you throw down two grand, they'll match your half your deposit, so it's another grand. So you have three grand to play with if you use the code BLV at mybookie.ag. Super Bowl is right around the corner. You need all that dough to throw around, all right? Because you're going to want to bet on Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. 
or Nick Bosa in the 49ers. So go to mybookie.ag. But yes, now time for the show. Without further ado, here's our interview with Jared Diamond of the Wall Street Journal. All right, guys, you heard it in the introduction. We have Jared Diamond of the Wall Street Journal joining us today to talk the good, the bad, and unfortunately the ugly of the MLB. Jared, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude, anytime. Uh, Super excited to have you. Unfortunately, in the game we all know and love, uh, there's been a dark cloud amiss, and I wanted to open the floor and just hear your general thoughts on the sign-stealing scandal in general, uh, how it's impacted you, how you think it's impacted the game, and your initial gut reaction on the issue. Well, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess for Major League Baseball to have to be dealing with this. It is the last thing baseball wants to be talking about uh, in January, heading into the season, this close to spring training. A, a, a real enormous scandal, one of the biggest scandals really baseball's ever had, and certainly the biggest since uh, everything came out with performance-enhancing drugs sort of at the beginning of you know the 2000s, which yeah. is now 20 years ago, which is incredible how fast time has gone that steroids <laughs> right? were, yeah. were 20 years ago. Yeah. And now another big problem has popped up. And this one is particularly bad because it sort of gets into integrity of the game issues you know we think mm-hmm. about sports you think about baseball if you think about baseball too much it all falls apart all what it really is is a bunch of guys in pajamas running around in the dirt <laughs> it only means something because we uh, believe it means something because the rules in place uh, sort of give it meaning that we all accept just as if similarly to how we all accept that a $20 bill is worth something it's not just a random green piece of paper mm-hmm. once you start questioning uh, sort of the integrity of it, and you start thinking about it too hard, it all kind of crumbles. And that ruins everything. It ruins baseball, it ruins sports. And that's what this scandal sort of gets at the heart at, is like, can we really trust what we are watching is genuine? Uh, and now baseball is going to not only have to deal with this particular situation, it's going to have to make efforts to regain that trust that clearly some people are, are questioning today. Yeah, and it puts us in, it puts us as baseball lovers and as people who report on the game in a precarious situation that all of a sudden baseball's now in a heavy competition in America at least and even internationally with the NFL with the NBA how do we rebound from this you know in a time where baseball's trying putting its maximum efforts to make the game more enjoyable more digestible for the young fans and continue to continue the love and keeping it America's game yeah, like baseball, it, it tried to take swift and decisive action in this investigation. The penalties were very strong, and I understand there's going to be people that would say they weren't strong enough. There's people that are wondering why players weren't suspended. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. I think that's a valuable discussion to have maybe uh, as more information comes out. But the reality is baseball did act strongly. This has resulted in the firing of perhaps the most successful general manager in the major leagues and 10% of all the managers in the league. So there's no doubt this has had a major impact on the landscape of the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, So look, we'll see where this goes from here, but uh, fans I think are going to come back. I don't think this is like existential crisis the way say the strike of 1994 was, Oh sure. but it's certainly going to be uh, an issue. And, it's going to be something that fans are are clearly very upset about for good reason. No, yeah, 100%. And you brought up a great point, a great talking point. 
How do you feel about the players not being punished? And in some way, there was only one player who was punished. Uh, a team you cover, the New York Mets, felt impressed and their hand was forced. They had to fire Carlos Beltran. I think it's an issue we can all agree they addressed properly. But do you think that's A, fair that he was the only player that was punished? And B, should the other players have been punished harshly or individualized, you know, you know, pointed out? Like there are reasons why the league decided to go this route um, and sort of give the players leniency in this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it's very clear that uh, I think we could read into the situation that the league did not want to get into a big fight with the players union. Yeah. In this instance, this was something that for better or worse, they decided would not be worth sparking a battle in a time where, you know, the relations between the league and the union have been pretty fraught. Over the last couple of years, there's really intense CBA negotiations coming up in just two years. Yeah. And clearly this was an issue where the league said, all right, maybe we we could sort of come to an agreement. Uh, If you start getting into grievances with players, it slows down the investigation. You know, remember the Mitchell report about PEDs that took 20 months to Mm -hmm. finish 20 Mm -hmm. months and almost no active players participated in that investigation. And if no active players have participated in this investigation, you end up sort of in a similar situation because they had the cooperation of play of players. Mm-hmm. Uh, this got done in two months. Yeah. And clearly, clearly I was something that was important to MLB in this case. And like, we could argue about whether players should, that was the right approach or not. And I think there's valid arguments on both sides, but that I think that is why MLB has taken this approach because this got it done quickly it got them to what seems to be the truth of the matter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they got the, the orchestrators, the big people sort of at the top. And they didn't get into a big battle with the MLBPA, which maybe they felt like they didn't need at this junction. Yeah, I mean, it's just definitely a tough situation. There, You could see that baseball and Manfred are trying to move the game in such a way that it is a superstar-driven league. And in this situation, you'd be having to go after Alex Bregman, a guy who was inches away from winning the MVP. Jose Altuve, a former MVP, an international player. Same with Correa, an international player. And George Springer, one of the most exciting players. And all four of those guys being on one of the most profitable, exciting teams in the game. So it's a, it's not like, no offense to these smaller market teams, but they're not going after like maybe the Reds, a team that wasn't as great, but really this elevated their game. And a couple of guys that are not as popular right now. These guys are some of the biggest names in the game. So it's definitely a tough situation that they can't, really act it, it, it risks losing too much almost in a sense um but how do you feel that guys like altuve and bregman uh have handled you know the issue in the media we've listened to some of their responses and i'm personally indifferent i i feel the other guys are the same way but some people are a little put off by the way um altuve and and bregman have handled the situation and the, and the lack of i know rich eisen had a great point on it the lack of you know universal uh apology or response even by the houston astros uh god it's been well that's a difficult question and obviously gets into a lot of legal issues and i'm sure everyone's sort of responding the way they've been told to respond Mm -hmm. i understand why people are maybe annoyed about the way the players behaved today last weekend at their fan fest like they didn't Mm -hmm. seem very remorseful I'm sure they were instructed to say that or to say it the way they did. They're not just flying by the seat of their pants. The reality is this is an ongoing situation. Yeah. And uh, eventually they're going to have to answer for what happened. There's no doubt about it. They're not going to be able to go through all spring training the entire 2020 season without sort of having to address it. 
Uh, obviously, the start of spring training is going to be fascinating. There's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of attention on them, as there should be. Uh, the whole season is going to be interesting. They're going to be booed everywhere they go. Uh, you know, there's the possibility that opposing pitchers sort of take some vigilante justice into their own hands. Oh yeah, against the Never players. Thought about that. Uh, you know, this is something that uh, look MLB would love for this to be over. Yeah. Uh, in reality, we're probably somewhere in between the second and third inning. Yeah, because you have now all of a sudden you have another team that they're going to spring an investigation. And while the Red Sox, a team I personally root for, has come forth, the players, J.D. Martinez has been pretty vocal about, hey, there is no, there's nothing to find here. You can look all you want. I know Henry and Warner have been the same way, and Sam Kennedy have been the same way. Uh, they, they were considerations of even keeping Alex Cora, but Alex Cora was like, this isn't going to work over well. And they were like, yeah, you're probably right, and they let him go. Um, but yeah, there's a whole nother team they have to investigate and I'm with you. I want to put this behind us. Um, but a weird angle that's been taken. Um, unfortunately, Jess Mendoza, she's been putting in a box. I don't know if she maybe she made a controversial, controversial statement and saying she was against Mike Fires coming out. And I don't mean to put you in the same corner. Um, did you have any feelings on him coming out, uh, and, and being the one that was, you know, the whistleblower? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like I will say this, I understand why there are some people. Uh, and and I say some people, I mean, like, I, I could say just first-hand experience, one of my closest friends in the world, I was having this conversation with just the other day, and he uh, expressed his feeling about it, which is that, you know, it, that Fires doesn't deserve any credit for doing it so long after the fact. If he really felt so strongly about it, he should give back his ring, give back his World Series bonus. And frankly, I, I understand that perspective. I don't think that's insane. Mm-hmm. I think there's perfect valid. That's valid to me. Like if you want to say that fire should have done it, then uh, why is he doing it two years later? Okay. I get it. However, my response to that is there is no wrong time to do the right thing. And by that, I, and what I'm saying by that is he didn't, he, he, he did not reveal this at the time. Mm-hmm. And we could argue that would have been the most right thing to do. Yeah. That's too late. You can no longer do that. Cause it already happened. So the, so the options are out it now or continue to hide it. Those two choices, I would argue that outing them was the, the most right thing to do today, in, tw- in, in his case, 2019. Yeah. If you yeah. want to say he should have done it in 2017, fine. I won't necessarily argue that point with you, but that's already passed. And, and for, all I can say is he did it now. And for fires to get criticized in that way and not to criticize any of the other players on the roster who, you know, the onus was on all of them as well to step yeah. up and say something. Yeah. The ones it, who didn't say anything. Right. Is, is it's unfair to him when he, in fact, what you're saying did the right thing, even if it wasn't at the quote unquote best time. Right. Correct. And it, like essentially that argument essentially goes back to snitches get stitches, which I'm not really sure is the kind of argument we should be making in this case. So, you know, look, like I said, I understand the I understand the conversation, but I, I personally am not going to get on fires for for doing it. Now that I've said, I I do understand that if there are some Astros players that are frustrated with fires or mad at fires. I get that too. I really do understand. There's there's a very emotional issue, and not being on a team myself, like a major league baseball team, I'm not necessarily the most qualified person to tell you sort of what that environment is like and what that relationship is like and whether he broke some sort of sacred code you know i don't i can't speak to that all i can say is uh, it's given given the situation he probably did 
the right thing at this time. Yeah, I mean, we've all been, first of all, he's not a batter. So his involvement is directly, he's not, he doesn't have a full-on hand-to-hand combat situation where he's the one that's, you know, really going and doing the deed. Well, that's the thing. Also, I feel like maybe he has that moral dilemma of being a fellow pitcher. Yeah. And realizing that he's kind of screwing his fellow pitchers in the league, mm-hmm. you know, by not saying anything. Yeah, of course. And we've also been in the situation, uh, some of us, you know, where we've all been at that one friend's house in high school and everyone's going through the parents' liquor cabinet and you know it's the wrong thing to do, but you don't see stop anybody and you run the risk of getting in trouble because the heat of the moment you know you're caught up in them you're caught up in the camaraderie you're caught up in your friends and you don't want to be looked at differently when your team is making a championship run you know and, and now not, and not, not only do you you know go against your team yeah after winning the world series but you go after an entire city yeah if you, if you call out oh yeah the team for that yeah 100%. the entire city of houston will will, will look bad upon you Oh, yeah. I mean, what do you think of, uh, Jerry, what do you think of the, I mean, Los Angeles obviously has called for the championships of 2017 and 2018. What do you think of any any talks of titles being stripped? Is that ridiculous? I don't, I don't believe in that personally. I know it's something the NCAA no, yeah. has done for years. Uh, I think it's absurd, in my opinion. The reality is the games happened. I was there. I was at every single game of that World Series. The Astros won. Now, did they win them perhaps uh, under false pretenses to an extent? Yeah, it seems like they did. But the games happened. They were played. The Astros won those baseball games. They won the World Series. Now, do we have to look at them sort of respectfully? No, we don't. And I think that's clearly what's going to happen here. But the reality is to just sort of erase it and say, well, that never happened. Uh, I mean, that's kind of nuts to me. I also don't think it really does anything. Like, it's not, okay, you tell the players we're vacating your title. I mean, they still won. They still have the experience of popping champagne and having a parade. Like, you can't you can't take away their memories of their experiences. So mm-hmm. what are you really getting out of it? I don't it, – it's not something I, I personally think is a good idea or really see as worth pursuing. And And honestly, like – what good does it do in fixing the problem at hand, which is, you know, what Rob Manfred was trying to address, right? Mm. As they broke the rules, they were misusing <clears throat> the replay cameras. Um, and, and that's kind of, you know, the precedent that he's trying to set by penalizing the Astros so strongly is technology is going to be a part of the game going forward. And let's make sure that the teams are using it in the proper way. That's not the illegal way. Um, right. This is about the future. Yeah. It's not yeah. about it's about stopping this moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you listen? Use of technology in sports is inevitable, especially as the NFL was so beyond ahead of the curve. The NBA has quickly jumped on. Um, we obviously had some issues in the NFL with the Patriots, um, but MLB kind of dives into this is there a portion that of you that feels they kind of brought it on themselves and when the red sox uh were using the apple watches in 2017 the quote-unquote slap on the wrist that they got did they almost ask for this because as houston players or and in managers maybe they're saying that's all the punishment we get why not that's it they're just going to tell us not to do it uh okay well look certainly this is something that baseball sort of ushered in by bringing so much technology into the game not a surprise that when you sort of give players all this technology that it's possible it's going to be used uh, incorrectly, improperly. It's not a huge shock. doesn't make it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is obviously something that baseball has to deal with now. 
which is like, all right, we have all the technology in the game. How do we use it? How do we ensure that it's being used the right way? And I think that's something that baseball is clearly going to be looking at uh, for 2020 is like how to, what regulations can be put in place and codified yeah. to try to put a stop to some of this stuff. Yeah. And how do you feel about the whole, I know you're, cl- uh, you're with the Mets closely. How do you feel about the whole Beltran situation? Yeah, it's a tough situation. That really was tough. Uh, I think when it got, when it came down to it, the Mets had really didn't have any choice. Yeah. Uh, especially after they waited so long to say anything, they were. I don't know what else they could have done. Um, now, do I think there was a path to where they could have kept Beltron theoretically? Yeah, I do. I think if you would come out strongly at the beginning and said we addressed this with Carlos and we hired him and we're confident he's, you know, he is not involved and whatever you want to say. I think it was possible, but but by the time it gotten a few days later, and, and now Hinch is gone and Cora is gone, I just don't see what the Mets could have done. Yeah. Uh, the reality <laughs> is too. The reality is too that this is a guy that they have no history with. Yeah, really, he's right. Yeah, he's it's like, easy to, to cut ties. Yeah, he, there's no. It's like you just move on, and at least you don't have to go into spring training with this hanging over your head. Mm. So I think it sucks. I think it sucks for Carlos. It's a tough situation. Uh, I don't really blame the Mets for doing it. I think they just have to kind of move forward with a clean state. Yeah, like, there's no point in being collateral damage to the whole situation that you were really through and through not involved in at all. Um, and having and putting Beltran through that, I'm sure that he, as much as he wants to manage the team, and you know what, unfortunately, as good of a job as I think he would have done, uh, especially as a former outfielder, I feel like the Mets have so many promising young outfielders. They really feel like the rotation he would have uh, gotten in, uh, he really would have gotten the most out of Nimmo and Conforto. It's it's it maybe J D Davis when you stick him in left or McNeil and right. I mean, it's it's it is unfortunate uh, to see all of that go down, but there is no point in being part of the collateral damage. And like you said, had they come out you know and maybe said something early on then they, there could have been an avenue where Beltran retained his job but we all know that the Mets are never one for swift action uh, to say the yeah. least um, but candidates uh, who, who do you do you think they'll have somebody by spring training and if they don't is that a major issue well they will they have to I don't see how they I don't see how any of these teams don't I would expect to start seeing some hires get done this week if not mm-hmm. this week next week mm-hmm. I just don't see how you can't I mean, look, it's not that complicated here. If you're the Mets, I think they're going to end up going internal, more likely than not, whether that's Luis Rojas or Terry mm-hmm. Collins or whomever it is. And I think if you're the Astros, if, I, if I'm the Astros, I'm looking at one of those veteran guys. Yeah. Uh, big, just big you want name. someone that's been through these battles before who can kind of steer, steer you through this this sinking ship a little bit, mm-hmm. steer you through these rapids. So I expect them to go with, you know, the Dusty Baker, the Buck Walter, the John Gibbons route, and, you know, the Red Sox, we'll see. I mean, I, I wouldn't be – I kind of expect them just to tap Ron Renneke as their bench coach. But Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. But I think the big thing is the Astros. I, to me, the Astros need a veteran. Mm-hmm. I love Joe Espada. I really would love to see Joe Espada get a managerial job. Mm-hmm. I don't see how this is the one, though. Yeah, you don't want uh, right now. You don't want to uh, throw a young guy yeah. or a good newer guy into the fire. You do need a guy like uh, Showalter or Baker. Dusty Baker. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool, man. And then we'll ask you on a lighter note because that was the ugly. That was a little bit of bad. The New York Mets. Where do you think they're going to go this season? You have any high hopes for them? Huh. Look, they have a good club. Uh, they had a really good finish last season. You have to like what they did this off season with bringing in Batances, uh, the addition to the starting rotation. They have nice starting rotation depth. They appear to have 
a bullpen that should be able to get things done. <laughs> Obviously, they need they need Edwin Diaz and Yuri Familia to, you know, be better than they were last year. Um, the division's really tough, really challenging. Without a doubt, it goes four deep, in my opinion. Basically, everybody besides Miami has a realistic chance of winning it. Mm. Uh, I think one very fortunate thing for the Mets is that Josh Donaldson didn't re-sign with Atlanta. In fact, didn't even re-sign with anyone in the division. Mm-hmm. That was really good for the Mets because I was sitting here a week ago or two weeks ago, whenever that deal got done, uh, saying if the Braves re-sign Josh Donaldson, they're the best team in the National League. Uh, and without him, they're really missing a big bat. So I think that that's a hole for the Mets. They're going to obviously need their bullpen to be better. Yeah. But if they do what they did at the end of last year, they showed they have the ability. So uh, I think it's going to be an interesting season over there in Queens. I agree, too. I think there's no need to rush Patances back. A, you have a full year of Stroman, which was a, honestly which was a great move by Brody to really go out midseason and snag him. You, you got to love and respect that. Uh, when many people thought they were going to sell. And I think unless the Braves go for the now disgruntled Arenado, I think, yeah, you're, they're missing a major bat, which they obviously should go after an Arenado. Who cares about his 21 option? You don't give a guy like Acuna, you know, a team-friendly deal like that and not spend the money. And I think the Phillies are boom or bust. I think they've thrown a lot of money at a lot of different players that, I mean, I don't know. I think Zach Wheeler is good. Is he worth $100 million? You may, I don't we'll know. See. I don't know. It's a question mark. But I think the Mets have put themselves in, in, in a great situation, and the DeGrom contract has to be one of as when it's the opposite end of the Benia contract. <laughs> you know, it's got to be one of the best contracts I've seen in a long time. Uh, so they're in a good spot. They just need the young guys to jump up, and it is a really up in the air. And no Rendon, too on the national side at third base uh, is a big is a big loss for them. Uh, we'll close it out, Jerry, with a little bit about you, man. Swing Kings, talk to us, man. It's it's such an interesting topic. Um, I want to know how you got involved and decided to write upon this uh, because guys like, you know, J.D. Martinez, Justin Turner kind of come out of the woodworks. They're not these – I mean, Martinez was cast off from the Astros. Justin Turner, the Mets, gave up on him. Uh, and just the Mets' luck, obviously, he goes and busts out in, in, in Los Angeles. How did he come upon this topic? Uh, talk about writing the book a little bit, if you don't mind, on, and what we could expect to see in it. Yeah, happy to talk about it. Thanks for asking. Of course, um, man. So I, I wrote a story about this topic uh, back in spring training of 2017. That was, for the journal, that was sort of the origin of this. Didn't know when I wrote the story that it was going to turn into something more, but you know, after finishing that story, it was clear that there was more to tell here, that this was a very sort of interesting topic that had major ramifications mm-hmm. in the industry. And we've seen since home runs soar. 2019 was the most home runs ever. We also saw this just this December, just a month ago, uh, MLB's report into the baseball and the home run spike comes out. And the scientists responsible for that study attributed about attributed about 40% of the home run spike to changes in player behavior, which essentially means the way they are swinging. Uh, there has been a complete rethinking in sort of the most fundamental act in the game of baseball, the most fundamental sort of action. And uh, it's really fascinating how it's all gone down and how it's affecting the game. And you know, this book, which is called Swing Kings, like you said, is sort of telling the story of how this has happened by focusing in on a group of players who, like you said, uh, were basically out of baseball or on the mm-hmm. cusp yeah. of being out of baseball and were able to sort of regain their career by changing their swings uh, with the help of some sort of unorthodox, uh, unusual teachers uh, and coaches. So 
I think it's a really interesting story. It comes out on uh, March 31st, so it's available for pre-order now. And I, you know, I, I hope it's something that other people find as interesting as I found interesting over the last couple of years. Oh, it it'll be bought by by the charity stripe. You have no <laughs> doubt. I, I'm not even. Oh, that's that's. That's three books sold right there. there three go. books sold right there, and I, there's no. I can, I can, I could get my father in on it too, for sure. That's 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 a that's a lot. All right, I'm counting on it. No, I got you, man. I haven't been excited about a title since J.K. Rowling dropped a book. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really exciting stuff, man. Uh, Jared, dude, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. It was really, really awesome talking to you and hearing your viewpoints on the whole situation. Oh, for sure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. All right. See you soon, man. Talk to you soon. Yep. Bye bye. Bye bye. Awesome interview. Um, again, go check out Jared's work at the Wall Street Journal. Check out his book, Swing Kings. Uh, love how he went that route with things. So many people are harping on the balls being juiced and maybe not looking at the physicality and the physics of the game. And Jared really went above and beyond um, and did that in this book. And I'm excited to read it. And I'm excited for you guys to go out and purchase it. I feel it in my sweet, sweet bones that it's going to be a good book and a good read. And very informational in a fun way, judging by the interview with Jared. Um, so yeah, go check out him. He's a really good writer. Really, really good writer. I really enjoyed, because um, we do a lot of research on our guests, obviously, because because why go into anything blind, as the old saying goes? And we got to read a lot of Jared's stuff um, at the Journal, and it's really, really great. Love his voice. Um, but before we get into, speaking of reading, Peter Abraham's interview, here are two more ad reads because other than mybookie.ag, where if you go there and use the code BLV, up to two grand, they'll match half your deposit. So you throw down two grand, again, they'll give you another G to play with. All right, guys, I know we all need the money to just throw away. So go get that extra G. But we're also brought to you by 8sleep. Yep. Let's talk about sleep. We need eight hours of sleep. We need eight hours of sleep straight up. One of sleep's biggest problems, temperature. It's too tough to get a good night's sleep if you're too hot or too cold. It's our pleasure to introduce the pod by Eight Sleep. The pod is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you like your bed cool and your partner likes the bed warm, now you can have the both at the same damn time, okay, sweetheart? In a crazy comfortable bed. For the next week, get $200 off your sleep pod and a free gravity blanket for a total value of $500 only at 8sleep.com slash pro. E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash pro. 8sleep.com slash pro. Don't know where that voice came from, but yep, go to 8sleep.com and get the pod. We all need a new mattress. Don't tell me you don't. I know no one got one for Christmas. We're also brought to you by our boys at Manscaped. Yep, Lawnmower 3.0 is officially launched. Go get it. We've tried it as a light in there for Christ's sake. So if, you're, if, the, if the power's ever out, you could still trim your entire body. That's how much they care. All right, and use the code on that one, Stripe20. Get 20% off on all products and free shipping. Ball out for your balls, all right? Do your family jewels a favor. But now, back to the serious stuff. A really great interview. Another really great writer. Check out his stuff on the Boston Globe. Without further ado, the Charity Stripe presents you, Peter Abraham. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it in the introduction. Uh, next up, we got Peter Abraham of the Boston Globe. Peter, thanks for joining the show today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So it's been, like we said in the previous interview we had, it's been the good, the bad, and the ugly in baseball, unfortunately, the past couple of days. Uh, good news today, Derek Jeter, although he didn't receive, there was one vote, vote shy, which kind of pained me, even as a Red Sox fan, it kind of gutted me. He was one vote shy of the unanimous vote. He makes the Hall of Fame. Larry Walker, in his 10th and final try, he makes the Hall of Fame. A couple guys inch closer, uh, which we love to see. Um, that's been the good, been an exciting offseason, but the bad and the ugly has been the sign stealing scandal so if it's okay with you i'd like to open up the floor and just hear your, like your initial reactions and how it really felt with you and sat with you and where you think the game's going from here well i, I thought today was a good day for the game you know jeter getting in the hall of fame one vote shy of unanimous and larry walker getting in after what was a very long process uh kind of a, a day of needed good news after it's been i think now eight days of you know, the cheating scandal and three managers losing their jobs and a lot of questions about, you know, how will baseball handle this down the road and the integrity of the game and, and the role of the commissioner, you know, a lot of bad news for baseball and, and people wondering about, you know, how are they going to be able to handle this scandal? Will, will it get bigger? Which I think a lot of people expect. So uh, the Hall of Fame, I think, came at the right time, even though it's been yeah. you know, planned for weeks. Uh, <laughs> this was a day baseball needed. They can, you know, everybody agrees what a great player Jeter was apparently except for one guy. And, um, you know, I think it'll, you know, this was a day that baseball needed to kind of reset a little bit and, and enjoy celebrating two great players and, uh, Derek Jeter and Larry Walker. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, and Peter, you vote, um, on the ballot. Um, and do you guys discuss amongst yourselves at any point? Like, would you not, I don't want anybody to be outed or to ask to put you on the spot, but do you guys know amongst yourselves who that one is or it's just not an, is it a non-issue? No, you, you know, I don't think we do. And, it's it's a little it's it's bothersome to me that um it's not required to make your vote public I, I feel like uh you know as journalists we ask people to go on the record every day you know players and executives yeah, yeah. and managers and i feel like the, the very least we could do is to make our our hall of fame vote public because you know we're, we're always the ones seeking accountability we should be accountable <laughs> ourselves the bbwa voted for that a few years ago but the hall of fame would not make it a rule uh, they they still feel like anonymity uh, should be allowed. Uh, they feel like with social media that that some writers would feel uh, pressure, you know, to vote for somebody or not to vote for somebody, and, and that they should be allowed to not face, I guess, the wrath of people. But to me, if if you get a chance to vote, you know, part of the deal is you might, you know, vote in a way that somebody's going to object to, and you should explain your vote. And if, if they still don't like it, you know, I guess you move on. But um, yeah, it bothers me that you can still be anonymous. I've always publicized my vote. Everybody at the Globe does. Uh, I think most responsible of you know the most responsible writers do that, and it's something that we've talked about. We we feel pretty strongly that everybody should make their vote public. No, absolutely. I mean, I was looking at your ballot personally um, before we hopped on the phone, and there's a box. There's a, like for those who don't know, and you can look it up. You check off the guys you want, um, which is kind of like a, a funny system. It's just such like a like an old, tried and true way of, of voting. You know, it's so not modernized, which I think should never change because you know it's just baseball, um, and it keeps it true to the game. But there's a little box at the bottom where you, after you check all the players, where you could check whether you want it to be anonymous or not. And I find that so crazy that and I, now we're, I mean, I, one guy voted for Jeter. Were you surprised? Did you, did you kind of have a gut feeling that, that, that he wasn't going to get it? I was, I was fearful that there would be somebody who would do that, but 
But then I thought, you know, Mariano Rivera was anonymous. Maybe we've gotten past this idea that, you know, uh, you know, Joe DiMaggio and Ted Williams weren't anonymous, so therefore nobody should be. I think there's some old guys who believe that. But once Mariano was was unanimous, I thought, well, that that's that's gone by the boards. The only thing I could think of that that I, I guess I would be at least not upset about would be if somebody felt like. Well, Jeter's going to get in anyway. He doesn't need my vote. And I have 10 other people I want to vote for. And I want to make sure that the people I'm voting for either, you know, get into the Hall of Fame or, or stay on the ballot to be considered next year. I guess I can understand that you might have looked at your vote strategically and done it that way. Mm-hmm. I, I personally wouldn't have done that. But I, I, I suppose that would be an excuse. But if that's not the excuse, I have no idea why somebody would not consider Jeter a Hall of Famer. That's just idiotic. Yeah, and I, I don't cast my vote by any means, but you had eight of the ten guys, I believe. And you're I had look, eight. Yeah, yeah, and you're looking at it, and I think there's a lot of um, – I mean, the only guy I was like, oh, maybe – I was a little not surprised. I was like, oh, Omar Vizquel was a guy that people have on and don't have on. You didn't have him. You had Todd Helton, which I think is great because I hate the I hate the course Field bias. I know there there is some of a course Field bias, but you can't tell me Nolan Arenado is not a good hitter no matter, no matter where, what planet you put him on. You know, he the guy just rakes. It was the same thing with Larry Walker. You don't lead the league in batting three times by accident. You know, it's his average was just so remarkable during that time period. And I love the addition of Helton uh, on your ballot. But yeah, I mean, it, it was not like it, there's not ten guys. I don't know. I didn't feel like there was ten guys really worthy of it. And so for someone to leave him off is just kind of you know it is a bit of an archaic way. But I'm glad DJ's in. Yeah, he's just such a special player as a Red Sox fan. You know I know you covered the Yankees and the Mets uh, before the Sox uh, in Boston, so you had him in. You you had a pretty good glory days. You had UConn basketball. You have, were you there? Were you covering UConn basketball? And you had Ray, when, Ray, when Ray Allen was there. I yeah I did. I covered. <laughs> it was an incredible stroke of luck. I uh, I got out of college. In 1986, I took my first job at a small paper in Connecticut a few months later. I was there for literally a week. I was supposed to be a high school writer. Mm -hmm. And uh, a week later, the guy who was covering UConn uh, quit. He went to move to California with his girlfriend. And the sports editor said to me, do you think you could cover UConn? And I I couldn't, (laughs) but I said, oh, absolutely. And they sent me up there to cover UConn, and it was Calhoun's first year. Uh, They were were terrible. They went 9-19. But they started to... Uh, you know, get good the following year. Then when they recruited Ray, that's when they really took off. And um, yeah, I was around right up until their first championship. I covered Ray Allen. I covered Rip Hamilton. Uh, some really good players. It was, it was. I completely lucked into that job, and it was a. It was a tremendous amount of fun. Yeah, man. And then you go to the Yankees. They win the Mets. Make their World Series. I think the first time since '86. And then you go to the Red Sox. So when people really want to trace back all these winnings, they have to really go to you. I mean, you are the good luck charm that it seems to follow. Uh, <laughs> maybe you should be tabbed as the Astros' new manager. And uh, speaking of the Astros and, and the act of being anonymous, uh, Mike Fires comes out. And there's been some – he's received some backlash. And the people that have given him backlash have received some backlash. Uh, former Red Sox pitcher, probably my favorite player ever, Pedro Martinez – said that he's a bad teammate. I know it's different for guys in the clubhouse, but reporters, Jessica Mendoza, who does uh, baseball tonight for Sunday Night Baseball, uh, she's in some serious trouble. There's talks of David Cohn replacing her, her losing her job over this com- these comments. Uh, how do you feel about a guy like Mike Fires coming out uh, and just publicly stating and blowing the whistle? Well, you know, in my job, I-, I deal with a lot of people who have things to say and then they want to go off the record. You know, they'll, they'll criticize somebody 
uh, whether it's somebody from another team or a teammate, and, and they say, well, you know, you can write this, but don't use my name. Yeah. So when somebody does stand up and say, hey, you know, I know about this happening. I don't think it's good for the game, and I'm willing to go on the record and expose it. I give that person a lot of credit, and you, you can't have baseball games. You know, you, you don't want fans going to games wondering if one team is, is fixing it and the other, not fixing it, but if one team is stealing signs and the other team is not, you know, you start to question the integrity of the game and, and you know, what's going on and who's mm-hmm. up to what. So, uh, yeah, I think Mike Fires did baseball a service. And I think the other thing is there's a lot of pitchers out there who are going to be happy that he did it because I guarantee you there are guys on that Houston staff beyond Mike Fires who didn't like what they were doing. Oh, yeah. And oh, just yeah. just didn't speak up. You know, they didn't have the courage to speak up. And whether it's, you know, Justin Verlander or Charlie Moore, and I'm sure there were guys on that team who didn't like what was going on. Uh, because they'd be furious if it was if it was being done to them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I mean Pedro, I listen. I love Pedro. He's a great guy to interview. I, I've had some very enjoyable moments spent with Pedro, but this is also a guy who used to routinely throw at hitters for sport. Yeah. So you know Pedro is a tough guy, and I can understand where he's coming from. But I think if he if he sat around and considered what was right for the game. You know, he'd probably think about it a little differently. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at I have a photo of him hanging up with the quote, I'm going to leave my heart out there for my team. Uh, it's really, he's a, he's a team first guy and his heart's first guy. Um, but that's a great point. I mean, I, I, we've spoken about it before on the show. Uh, Fires is not directly involved. He's not a hater. He's not participating in the sign stealing. He's, he's almost his brethren, uh, his colleagues, in a sense, are, are, you know, feeling the wrath of the sign stealing. And I sometimes wonder, and now, do you think that maybe played a small part in Garrett Cole jumping ship? He sees what's going on there, or what has gone on there, and he's like, I, I, "This isn't for me." And obviously, you know, three hundred twenty-four million dollars does say a little much. But do you think that played a small part in things? No, I don't, because after the after the World Series was over, uh, it, it was kind of an interesting scene in the Houston clubhouse. Mm-hmm. They uh, somebody, you know, Garrett Cole was was kind of at least considered about you know to come out of the bullpen for that you know in that game, and he yeah. did. And some of the reporters who covered the Astros wanted to speak to him. And a, a PR guy from the Astros went over and asked Garrett if he would talk to these reporters. And his answer was, well, I, I'm no longer employed by the team. Do I have to? So he kind of was moving on from the Astros like five minutes after the World Series. Yeah. And when he finally agreed to talk to the reporters, he put on a hat that had Scott Boris's logo on it, which I thought was really funny. Jesus. And so he was a free agent like the second the World Series ended. Well, you know, weeks and weeks before this scandal ever erupted. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he knew the Astros weren't going to pay what he wanted. He knew that other teams out there would. So I think, you know, he was gone no matter what. I don't think whatever the Astros were up to, I don't think that affected him at all. Mm-hmm. And I definitely want to talk some Yankees money. But before we do so, the Astros have been found out. The punishments have been doled out uh, with their GM, their manager. They've lost draft picks, which in the last 10 years, the stock that's been put in these draft picks uh, has grown exponentially um, with MLB players. It's way less of a crapshoot than it used to be. And the guys you're picking in the first round, you're way more likely to hit than, let's say, maybe 10, 15 years ago. Um, and they've lost two, they lost their first and second back to back years going forward, uh, plus a fine. Now, what kind of punishments do you think, if any, we'll see from the Boston Red Sox? Because we have people, we have three uh, anonymous people have come out and said that the Red Sox are stealing signs using uh, foreign equipment. Do you think we'll find anything? Do you think we'll see anything? Do you think punishments will be doled out anytime soon? You know, it's interesting. The Red Sox, when they, you know, when they were, had the press conference last week to talk mm-hmm. about Alex Cora leaving the job, 
they seemed oddly confident that Major League Baseball's investigation was not going to find anything close to what what the what they found with the Astros. Mm-hmm. And they, I think, purposely, all of the executives that were up there used the per, used the term uh, "reserve judgment" a, a total of six times during the press conference, and it was obviously on purpose. They they had rehearsed it. And they were trying to send the message to fans that, you know, this is not going to be as bad as what happened to the Astros. But but Alex had to go because he was part of what happened with the Astros. And then the Red Sox had a fan event over the weekend. And again, you know, whether it was High and Bloom or some of the coaches, everybody seemed very sure that, that an investigation was not going to reveal anything that was particularly damaging. Now, we, we're not going to know about that, obviously, until the investigation is released by Major League Baseball. Uh, presumably they're going to show as much openness and, and, you know, reveal all the details like they did with Houston. But for what, you know, the, either, either they know something, the Red Sox know something, or they've done their own internal investigation or Alex correlated out for them, but they seem very, very convinced that it's not going to be as bad as what happened with the Astros. So therefore I'm thinking it's, it's not going to be as much of a punishment. You know, I, I'm sure core is going to end up with at least a year, if not more individually, but I don't know that the Red Sox are going to be facing, you know, a loss of draft picks or or that sort of thing. I, I guess we just have to wait and see. But they don't seem to feel like that's going to happen. It seems in some ways it's tricky. It's like a fine line. It seems in some ways they're guilty by association of having Alex Cora be their manager a year after 2017, where he's the bench coach and wins in Houston, goes to the Red Sox in 2018, he wins there. There's no real, there's no like bang of a trash can going on, you know, behind the green monster, right? Um, well, yeah, as far as like, yeah, nobody seems to think that. Now, they could have been inappropriately going into the video room, looking at the catcher signs, and then a guy comes out to the dugout and, and flashes, you know, a hand signal to the runner at second base to tell him, you know, mm-hmm. what the next pitch is or whatever. I think that goes on at a lot of parks with a lot of teams, but it doesn't seem like, and, I'm, you know, I could well be look stupid by saying this next week, but it doesn't seem like they had some, you know, there wasn't like a blinking light in the green monster that was telling you a curveball was coming. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 and it's and you I, part of me is like Alex Cora. It's a year apart. He has his own team. He's seen the system work. Why wouldn't he just implement it pretty much right away? Where maybe he's like, I don't want. I he wants to start a new leaf. There's a level of guilt, and he wants to do it fresh. The whole thing just and I want to hear your take on where you think this stands amongst the scandals you've covered or seen in baseball. Because unfortunately, in a game we love. I love it. It's my favorite sport. It's my favorite sport that the Charity Stripe covers. I just find, though, that baseball and people around it continuously shoot themselves in the foot when they have an opportunity for glory. Uh, and this is another one of those instances. Um, so I want to hear what you think where these stands as scandals. If we'll see Cora or Hinch again in the future for baseball. Well, you know, it's interesting because when I was writing a story about, I think it was the, the initial day that it broke, I wrote that... Um, it's the biggest scandal in baseball since the, yeah, you know, that. the 1919 mm-hmm. uh, Sox, you know, through the World Series. And the executive editor of the Globe, uh, a very sharp guy named Brian McGrory, said to me, well, do you think this is bigger than the steroid scandal? And I, I said, well, the steroid scandal wasn't like a one day, you know, this is the, you know, the scandal. It was sort of a rolling thing that went on for 10 or 15 years before they finally cleaned it up in bits and pieces. And then, we, you know, we, we talked about, you know, other different things that have happened in baseball over the years. So he didn't, ultimately he didn't want me to say it was the biggest scandal since the White Sox. I think the steroid scandal, you know, was, was not, I mean, it's similar in a way because it was, it was players seeking an edge that they shouldn't have been seeking, 
but it wasn't like an entire team got together and said, Hey, we're all going to take steroids. Oh yeah. So I think the Astros thing from the sense of, you know, a coach was involved. The manager knew about it. He didn't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. it you know, the, the report says basically every position player was somehow, you know, was involved in one way or another. I think all of that adds up to like a scandal, like we've never seen before. Um, you know, you know, like I said, going back to those white Sox. So it is, um, that, that, I'm surprised that an entire roster could get together and decide to do that because usually you would think there would have been five guys that would have said, you know what, fellas, we can't do this. This is, this is a terrible, you know, we're going to get really in trouble if this happens. But I, you know, I guess it never got to that. They, they all, they all the position players agreed that that's what they were going to do. And in two years ago, if you asked me, Altuve, Cora, you know, guys that let that Verlander, I mean, he wasn't like a hitter, but, you know, he's in the locker room. He knows what's happening. Right. A guy like A.J. Hinch, these are players that I would put at the bottom. You know, it's not like it's like, okay, I can look at Bonds or Clemens and I could physically see that a 37 year old man, you know, I know he's a professional athlete, but doesn't usually look like that and doesn't usually crank 73 home runs out of the damn ballpark at record speeds and distances. You know, this is just something that was just so out of left field, uh, not to, you know, hit the nose on the head with the baseball talk, um, that I didn't really see coming. And people, it's, the, the people involved are, sh are so shocking. Um, but the only thing I, the only way I think it's comparable to the, the steroid scandal, and I completely agree with you because the steroid scandal, it's on an individual basis. You could hunt those individuals down and you could either choose to, you know, get, get the, ditch them from the game and push them out of the game or move past it, which some people have, at least with the earlier on guys. I'm curious to see what happens uh, with Alex Rodriguez as he goes to the Hall of Fame ballot in a few years. You wrote, uh, I read your um, Hall of Fame ballot, little your, uh, your blurb um, in the Boston Globe where you said after 2006 when they kind of, you know, started implementing the rules of testing, um, Manny Ramirez failed twice, and that's why he's not no longer on your ballot. Because I was super curious, as a Boston Globe guy, why uh, my boy Manny Wood didn't make it. But I, I, I see what you're saying there for sure. And I yeah, and that yeah, for me that was Rivera too, because they were, you know, tested positive and, and served a suspension after they put that rule, in, you know, that testing program in place. So I would not personally, you know, vote for a Rod. But, you know, it's funny you mentioned Alex because you were talking about could could Cora and Hinch ever come back to baseball? And my first thought about that was, well, no, they never could. But you think about A-Rod. A-Rod was a pariah, right? I mean, he was suspended. The Yankees were, you know, he was suing the Yankees. He was suing the Players Association. The commissioner didn't want anything to do with him. The Yankees basically, you know, released him because they didn't want him around their team. And now he's on Sunday Night Baseball once a week and everybody loves him. He's on TV. You know, all of these different shows with J-Lo. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's, I mean, if A-Rod can rehabilitate his, I mean, everybody was down on A-Rod the entire game. Mm -hmm. If A-Rod can rehabilitate his reputation, which was, a, which was in shambles, I would, you know, Corey and AJ Hinch definitely can. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight, mm -hmm. but if in two years or three years from now, they're managing teams. I wouldn't be at all surprised. Yeah, I mean, this reminds the Ashes remind me of guys like guys like Bonds and Clemens. When I look at though, I think the most disappointing thing was they didn't. And a guy like A Rod, A Rod, Bonds, and Clemens did not have to cheat to be MVP, Cy Youngs, and Hall of Famers. They already had that, and that was the most disappointing part. I don't think the Astros. I look at their roster. I go. I don't think they had to cheat to at least make the World Series or make a title run. I think they could have gotten there anyway. This isn't a middling team, you know, not to not to poo-poo like the Pirates or, you know, the Tigers. They just don't have the competitive rosters right now who were doing this and then making the playoffs somehow, some way. This is a team that 
that you know this year could win 100 games and no one is going to be surprised because the roster um, is, is that stacked. But I look also compare Hinch and Cora to uh, Bounty Gate in football with Greg Williams and Sean Payton. And if those guys can make a comeback, it's Sean Payton, pretty similar actually to A.J. Hinch, a guy who he, he was against what was going on but didn't blow the whistle. And he's gonna, he has control of the team. He doesn't stop it. Obviously deserves to be punished. And Greg Williams, uh, akin to Alex Cora, I think that's a similar situation. But if those guys come back, look, Greg Williams coaches for the Jets and Sean Payton's back to being the head coach of the Saints. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, when something first happens, I think everybody's initial thought is, well, you know, they'll never recover from this. Like, this will be the end of it. And, yeah. You know, next thing you know, it's after a couple of, you know, a couple of months pass and a year passes and guys end up coming back. And, it, it you know, it has to be almost like a an actual crime, like a crime crime for, like, somebody to, to be banned from their sport or never be allowed back in. And, and even that with, like, Michael crime. Vick, even with Michael Vick who went to jail. Yeah, right, exactly. For right. for for harming animals, which is right. pretty much one of the four to five things lowest you can do in oh, the sure. eyes of the yeah. public. Uh and he came back. So yeah. I mean I think it's yeah. a great point. And I'm I, exactly I, right. Yeah, yeah, it answers my biggest question. And I think the biggest I mean, the other two ghosts uh, who couldn't be here, um, it's in their regards and they wish they were here, uh Alex and Nick. Uh Alex's biggest question was and Nick's as well, can Carlos Beltran, who never even got a shake, a day as a manager can he get a job back as a manager in the future when he's not a yeah that, you know it, to me beltran is an interesting case because you know he, he as a player he helped organize this you know this scheme what they were doing yeah and, and got core to go along with him and him and core are you know very good friends going back years into you know when they were growing up in puerto rico mm-hmm. and then you know now he becomes the manager of the mets and then the scandal erupts and his name gets connected to it one of the reporters in New York calls him up and says, hey, you know, what is your comment about this? And he lied. He said, I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about a, a, a camera in center field. I never looked at any kind of video. And, you know, the commissioner's report comes out and, he, you know, he was flat out lying. Yeah. So at that point, you know, Beltran was done because if you're a, a manager or a coach in New York and you're on the record as lying, like every single comment you would ever make to the media before or after a game, you know, the next the follow up question is going to be like, well, you're lying about that, too. So yeah. Like, oh, man. You know, he was kind of done at that point. You know, that was the end of it for him. So I don't know. You know, it's interesting. Like, I don't know what he would have to do to come back as a manager. He might have to come back as a coach first. Mm-hmm. I don't know that a team would would give him a managerial job right off. He might have to kind of prove himself in a lesser role before a team would take that chance. Yeah. And off the air, this is what I was saying about the situation. It's not like other, like other guys are going to come up. Like I'm already looking at like you, you had to cover Pejoria's knee injury, which is just pains me to my core because there is, there are very few people like, like, like him, like Edelman, like guys I watch and love like the Boston, like the gritty guys like KG who, you know, obviously are great athletes, but that level of drive and heart, that they have just propels them to a championship level. And Pedroia is one of the guys and that is the guy that has really, um, you know, embellished that and, and just, you know, utilized that and been the driving heart and force of the Red Sox. Um, it pains me to see his knee, you know, kind of giving way and his body giving way on him. But I'm looking at that and going, oh, my God, like, there's our next manager. Like, that's like the perfect storybook ending. Yeah. Him, their attack. And I'm thinking for the Mets, the Mets could go internal. 
they could go external. It's still New York, and they have a very competitive ball club, a ball club that could not only win the wild card but win the East and really contend this year with the pitching staff they have and the young hitters. Then they also have young batters, like ex, like by maybe David Wright in a year or two. Then all of a sudden, Beltran's old news. You know, it's just like a tough shake. So I think the route you have right. to go is the coaching round. He has to rework his way up from the, you know, from the bottom up instead of just jumping in from the top. It's an unfortunate situation uh, that he's also the only player punished, um, but he was also the only player put in a different position. And we discussed earlier in the show, and, and a stance I've had is, you know, I'm wishy-washy on the way Manfred handled things. I wish he, even though it is my Red Sox, I wish he came at the Red Sox harder with the whole Apple Watch situation, which I did, so I which in turn I don't think would have led. I think the Astros would have not done this or been more cautious and thought about it twice had the Red Sox been punished harder with the Apple Watch situation. Um, but I also understand that he can't punish the players because we, as a sport, need to move into a superstar-driven sport to compete with the NFL and the NBA. That's just simply the case. Yeah, I think the problem, the biggest problem I thought with trying to punish the players is, like, let's say, you know, just, just using names... Like Alex Bregman benefited, you know, 10 times. He got hits 10 times because he knew the sign and Jose Altuve got hits 25 times. Do you give them the same level of punishment? Like how, and how will you ever determine, you know, unless you had records, like, you know, somehow the Astros kept records, like, you know, who did what when they were at the plate, Yeah, you're never going to know exactly who benefited to what extent. That's just, that's going to be something impossible to determine. And then the other part of it becomes if you start suspending every Astros position player, like how are they going to feel the team? Like, it's just, yeah. it's a weird, you know, I understand why Manfred didn't do anything to them. And I understand, you know, why he's putting it on Hinch and, and Lunau, but it's, it's a weird thing for the players because, you know, unless you had some sort of, you know, like almost like statistics that you could look at and say, okay, well, this guy was the, clearly the benefited the most. Like we need to suspend it. I don't know how you could do it. It just would seem like an impossible thing to figure out. Yeah, people like do the like the postseason splits, which is there's a huge disparity between the postseason splits. But again, it's like such a small sample size. The Astros played a right. lot of the games at home because they had home field advantage throughout most of the playoffs, if not all, you know, and it, it, that's just like, it's still like a, it's kind of like, you know, begging the question, begging the answer in a sense there. It's just too tough to tell uh, at this point. So I think the best thing for baseball is, I guess, to move on and hopefully the Red Sox uh, don't get, you know, uncovered for anything and there's no dirt kicked on a grave that's already kind of been dug for them with people calling for their title which is super unfortunate um which would totally taint my experience were you at that game by the way just out of curiosity we had any of the world series games when they won oh yeah all of them yeah oh cool we were at the same game um our show is based out in los angeles yeah um and i threw all the money i had saved towards going to the game i guess it was a year ago uh, a year and a half ago, uh, on Game Five, I just had a gut feeling. It's probably one of the luckiest yeah. things I've. I should have just put it on black. Honestly, gone to Vegas if I was feeling <laughs> if I was feeling that lucky. Gone to another World Series in the future. Um, but speaking of the Red Sox, there's one guy who's won an MVP, been an All Star, Gold Glove, Silver Slugger, won a World Series in the same year, and that's number fifty. The guy who patrols the outfield, and the Red Sox are trying to trade him with the contract of David Price. How do you feel about that? If I can ask. 
And do you think it's the right move? Do you think we'll see him get traded? Do I have, should I have as a Red Sox fan? Should I have hope? Because I'm looking at the Yankees, and the Yankees are looking at the luxury tax and saying we don't give a shit about the luxury tax. It could they could service as many papers as they want. We're just gonna crumple them up, throw them in a garbage can, light that on fire, and sing kumbaya around it when the Red Sox are cowering in the corner. And I feel like as big a big market team going against the Yankees. They should pay their best player. Who does listen? If you're going to pay somebody in this league, who else are you going to pay? What, what what money are you saving for if you're not paying Mookie Betts? It doesn't get much better than him. Uh, so, what do you think we're going to see from all the situations with Mookie? Well, Betts? you know, when Hiram Bloom became uh, the chief baseball officer, yeah, one of the things he said was, you know, we have to consider all options. You know, and under under Dave Dombrowski, they kind of took the most direct path to fix every problem. You know, like yeah. They need, they, you know, they need a starter. They went out and got Chris Sale. They need a closer. They went out and got Craig Kimbrell. But Bloom wants to look at it like, you know, let's look at everything that we could do and then figure out what is the best thing to do. So I think what they're doing with Betts is they they don't they don't want to trade him. I think his most value is to stay on the team and then you then you have you know eight months to try to sign him to an extension. You know, convince him that it's the right thing to do to sign him to an extension. Uh, Bloom needs to make him a partner, much like the Angels. And Billy Epler did with Mike Trout. You know, yeah. they convinced Trout that, you know, you're, you know, you're our guy. You know, we, we want you to be in the draft room. We want you to work with rookies. You know, you, you're, you're going to help direct the franchise. And, but at the same time, if they could convince somebody to take on Price's contract, and then take on Betts's contract, you know, you'd be you'd be removing in the neighborhood of you know forty five million dollars from the payroll, and that would give High and Bloom a chance to really do some you know some work as a GM and, and go out and you know change the look of the team and and put together a competitive team pretty quickly. And if you're under the impression that no matter what you do, Betts isn't going to sign, you know he's determined to go to free agency, you're much better off getting that payroll relief than you would be getting one compensatory draft pick. You know, that would benefit your team a lot more. Yeah. So I understand why he's he's at least throwing this out to teams. Like, this is what we would do if you want to try to get Mookie Betts. You're going to take on price. And maybe he find you know, the only team that could do that, I think, is the Dodgers. And, and maybe they would. But if, you know, I, I understand why he's doing it, but I don't know that that means it's going to get done. I think he's just trying to, to make sure that, he, you know, he's investigated every single potential route that he could go down. And he won't look back on it and say, geez, I wonder if I could have done this you know, before I did that. Yeah, I think I'm curious to see if St. Louis makes a push. I think judging how Ozuna just signed with the Braves this evening um, on, a, on a one-year bet on himself deal, though it was for $18 million. Um, I'm curious. I think the Cardinals either think that they're going to get Arenado now that he's disgruntled and publicly wants out of Colorado. But I'm curious to see if uh, Bloom goes over them. It is a it is a is a sticky situation for him as a new GM. He wants to come in and kind of do his thing and leave his mark and, and run things the way he wants to go. And he's inherited not a mess, but he's inherited not a lot of wiggle room. You know, it's 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 like trying to build a house on a very small lot versus you know an acre or two. Uh, it, right. It, it's it's tough to go, and it's kind of I feel like we're switching from Sonny Corleone with Dave Dombrowski uh, to Michael Corleone with with Bloom, a little like kind of shoot first kind of guy, and then a calculated guy coming in. It is a very sticky situation, and part of me like there's like I love Mookie Betts, and ninety percent of me wants him to stay at any cost, but the ten percent, the realistic part of me goes. There's not much you can do around him with David Price's contract. Similarly, how I look to the Angels and I go, yeah, you signed Rendon, but you still have Pujols on the books. 
You still need Otani to be healthy. He's in the books. Plus, Mike Trout's contract is massive, and now Rendon's contract is massive. How much wiggle room do they have even? Uh, it's tough. It's tough, and he comes from a very small market team, and he, yeah, he's made it's, it work. You know, I mean, Mookie is, is you know, as good a player, as good of an all-around player as I've ever covered. And, you know, he does everything right. He handles Boston terrifically. He's, you know, he's a good guy around his teammates. He, you know, he's not somebody who's going to, uh, you know, get in some kind of trouble. You know, you're not going to worry about how he's going to react to having all that money. You know, he's going to react just fine. But at the same time, like, you start looking at it and you say, do we want to, you know, how can we be a better team? If Is it to spread the money around? and have a good deep 25 man roster or is it to invest most of our money in 12 guys and then have 13 guys, I guess now it would be 14 guys, 26 man roster and have half the team be like assorted, you know, guys who are making three or 4 million bucks. And I don't know that there's like a writer. I mean, the Red Sox won in 18 because they loaded up on a smaller group of guys. Um, but there are other teams that have proven you can be successful by having a deeper group. You know, I think the nationals really were kind of a deeper team. You know, they gave up Harper, but they, you know, they, they spread the money around and they had a deep bullpen, they had a deep rotation, they had a deep lineup. So yeah, there's different ways of looking trust. at it. And I don't know that there's like one one right way or, right, you know, one wrong way. Yeah, I mean, they obviously had a lot of money invested in the three, their three-headed monster of starting pitchers, which couldn't have gone better in the second half in postseason. Sure. That hit, that hit paid dividends uh, tenfold. Um, but they bet on a young kid in Soto who, honestly, is proven to be better than Harper. Uh, I, I hate to say it, but I, I think I'm a Harper. Uh, I'm an anti-Harper. Not that I don't think he's a great player. I just don't think. You, you can't. I'm not convinced he's a top 25 position player in the league or top 20 position player in the league. And I think this kid Soto is already a top 20 player and could be a top 10 player and could be a perennial MVP candidate, let alone all-star. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He's one of the, be- he's one of the most disciplined players at a young age that I've seen I mean I've seen in my lifetime uh it's not a long lifetime but uh, that I've seen uh and they did it right so it's interesting and the Red Sox do not have a great farm system right now and for anyone to poo-poo that that's just like going into battle sometimes with just only one 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 uh, retreat of of you know of, of armed forces like one group of guys heading in and yeah if those guys take care of business great but if you have no backup then you lose the war yeah, I think like the reason the Red Sox were so good in 2018 was they didn't have to pay a whole lot of money to Andrew Benintendi and Eduardo Rodriguez and Christian Vasquez. And, you know, those guys were cheap and they were able to spend a lot of money on sale and price. Mm-hmm. They were able to go out and get a Valdi, you know, uh, J.D. Martinez. And now the bills come and do on Benintendi and, you know, Betts and Bradley. You know, those guys are all expensive, not expensive, but getting more expensive now. So it's um, at some point you need to decide as an organization you know, how do we want to do this? And when you look at it, the Cubs and the Yankees and the Dodgers all got under the cap at one point or another in the last three years. And now they can spend as much money as they want, you know, for another couple of years, which the Yankees are doing. And, you know, the Cubs are backing off this year. You know, it's just, it's, you know, every team at some point has to take that step back and decide how do we want to do this? And this might be the way the Red Sox have decided they want to do it. Yeah, it's just I wish, and I hate to play like front office from the sofa, you know, um, but you can't help it sometimes as someone who just watches the team all the time. And I wish there was some way that we could pa- package like Ben Attendee, who's a fine young player, but not Mookie Betts, 
and right. Price's contract and just wash our hands of, of, of his deal. And I love David Price. I'm curious to see, like, speaking of Hall of Fame, you know, you you look at him and you, I think he'll be uh, a guy that at least will be considered someday when it's all said and done. Um, but I think he's kind of a little over the hill and the contract is just huge. It's a huge deal. It's like, it's like he, he, Dombrowski kind of gave him a homer deal after I feel like their time together in Detroit um, and kind of give did them both a favor. And yeah, they won a World Series with him. And he had a great World Series, I felt. I think he, had a, he pitched great in the World Series in the postseason. Oh, yeah. He was, oh, he was perfect. Yeah. He was terrific. So, I mean, the, the contract was worth it. You got a ring. You got, your ring's a ring. Um, but it would be the ideal world if we could keep Betts, Bogert's, Endeavors, and obviously JD, who's, who's, who's money. Yeah, I mean the thing about Price, he did what you know he did what they wanted him to do, right? I mean they bought him in to, to win the World Series. He won the World Series. Yeah. So you know you can't argue with the success of it. You know, and he, when he's been healthy, he's been pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know now it becomes you know you needed seven years to get him, and now you pay you know the back end of that contract's not going to be great. Um, but you know it's funny. I think Price will actually age pretty well because he's not a guy who relies on velocity. Yeah. He throws, you know, four or five different kinds of pitches. He's a pretty smart guy. I think he'll kind of learn kind of he'll learn how to pitch with what he has. But I wonder about Sale because Sale just, you know, he throws the hell out of it. He's a three-pitch pitcher. I just wonder when his fastball, you know, when he can't dial up that 96-97, is he going to be the same guy? Mm-hmm. And that'll yeah. be interesting because they're committed to him now for you know five more years. Yeah, I mean we saw it this past season. He wasn't himself, and I right. I wish, I wish they kind of. I remember when they after the World Series, the Indians put Corey Kluber came out terrible the year after they went to the World Series. He was horrible, like a six ERA. And as a fan and as a fantasy baseball owner, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe I invested my, that much capital in this guy. And then they put him on the DL for like a month and a half, comes back when yeah. he's Cy Young. I wish they just DL'd Sale from the jump. I think that would have been a safer move. Obviously, time was uh, time is of the essence always, always in the AL East. The AL East is, is, is from the jump. You have no time to waste. It's like one of those divisions where they're... It's the Yankees are always there, and then one of the Blue Jays, Rays, or Orioles now, at least in the 2000s, 2010s, is going to be in there. So there's not a lot of time to waste if you want to stay competitive and, and try to repeat or at least you know make it to the playoffs the year after you won and not, and not look stupid. Oh, no doubt. And I, I think the Indians probably did like a really smart thing with, with uh, Kluber because mm-hmm. you know, that was a guy who they got a lot out of you know in a relatively short period of time. He threw a lot of innings. He had a lot of hard innings. And, you know... At best, he's going to be able to maintain a little bit. You know, he's not going to get back to Cy Young award-winning Corey Kluber. Yeah. And they, you know, it's funny. Like, I think sometimes teams with the smaller payrolls, when they get forced into making tough decisions because of money, they end up coming out ahead. Like yeah. they, You know, they load up on young guys. They, they re, you know, they, they kind of refill their farm system. And they're able to stay good over a period of time, which is what the Indians have done. I mean, even when Kluber was hurt last year, they were they were running stars out there left and right. I mean, they were just bringing guys up, and they were pitching well. And the Red Sox don't have that. The Red Sox, I mean, I don't even know if the Red Sox have a guy in their system who they would look at as a, you know, a decent MLB starter if they needed somebody. I mean, they're really, you know, married to these guys with these huge contracts. So mm-hmm. it's um, sometimes when you're forced to do something and you have to make a tough decision that your fans don't like, it turns out to be, you know, 18 months later, it turns out to be a great decision. 
Yeah, I mean, it's – and you see, like, now with the Indians, I think they have – Bieber Bieber came out and was great this season. I think he's going to be good for the future. And I think Mike Clevenger is the most underrated pitcher in baseball. I mean, to oh, me, yeah. he, is, he is ferocious, uh, he's tenacious, and he, he's fearless on the mound. And that's what, that's, that's what you need in an ace. That or you need the calm, cool, collective, uh, cool hand, no matter what, who just trusts his stuff and DeGrom on the opposite uh, side of, you know, the league. Yeah. Um, but do you think – just before we uh, wrap things up and I let you on your merry way in the evening, you think the Red Sox make the playoffs again this season? You know, it's, you know, it's funny about the Red Sox is that, you know, they've had this disastrous offseason, right? Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, the manager's gone and, they, you know, every move they've made has been these minor league moves, you know, waiver wire kind of moves, and everybody's down on the Red Sox. It's almost like, and, you know, we saw this in, you know, they had this disastrous 2011 and, you know, 2012 was a nightmare. They won the World Series, you know, out of nowhere in 2013. I think Kyan Bloom's a pretty smart guy. I think all of these, you know, nobody, no-name guys who he's picked up, I bet you like two or three of them turn out to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. And you look at their lineup, it's the same lineup that scored 900 runs last year. Lineup's I mean, amazing. 900 runs. Lineup's amazing. So, you know, I, I mean, everybody's saying, oh, that's, you know, the Yankees are unstoppable, blah, blah. I can certainly see the Red Sox you know, getting in the wild card and then scaring the hell out of somebody in the first round. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, you know, depending on what, you know, if, if what the state of the pitching staff is, if they don't trade away one of those guys, um, it's to me, they're, they're a pretty interesting team. Cause, cause they have the capacity to score a ton of runs yeah. and the way the game is played now, that makes up for a lot of other problems. Yeah. I mean, they could really rake and we saw last year. I mean, the twins don't have a pitching staff and they're a team I love. I mean, the Donald adding Donaldson to that lineup is like, oh my God, that's yeah, the- oh no, the same thing. Like the Twins make up for a lot of their problems. You know, Michael Pineda can give up five runs all day long because they're going to score seven. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah, and he's not even playing. He's missing the first sixty games or so. I mean, I think he served yeah. part of it last season. Um, but he's he miss, he's missing some games. And then outside of Barrios and Odorizzi, who's Odorizzi's good, but he's like a number three. You yeah, know, sure. the it's they just it's murderers row of like twenty twenty. That's that's what they're going to yeah. be. Um, but. But also gut check reaction. You think the Yankees got it? Have you had to you know, pick? I mean, the Yankees have a tremendous bullpen. They have, they have what looks like a tremendous rotation. I do kind of wonder about their offense because there's a lot of swing and miss in their offense. I don't know what they're going to get out of Stanton. I don't know that you can expect yeah, Brett Gardner to have the same kind of year that he had last year. And Gary Sanchez is sort of like you can see Gary Sanchez becoming an MVP or becoming like out of baseball in three years. Like he's a weird player. Like he he's He's so good at some points, and he's just awful at other points. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure about their lineup. Like, the, the Red Sox were never, like, terrified by their lineup last year. But, you know, I mean, yeah, I had Garrett Cole. I mean, holy, like, their number four or five guys are going to be really good. So, but, you know, it's – the way they, you know, the way that division goes, I mean, the Red Sox are certainly not going to be afraid of them. And Tampa Bay gives both of those teams fits. So like I don't know that the Yankees are just going to run away with it. I think it'll be competitive. Yeah, I I, I I I like the point you bring up. It's a lot of swing and miss stuff. I mean, guys were hurt last year, and we lost. You know, we lost a lot of judges season, a lot of Stanton season. But Stanton, you know, when he's in, he's great. But when's he in? Kind of situation. You know, Judge. Yeah. We saw Judge. Judge was phenomenal. But we've seen him. You know, go on go on very cold streaks. Obviously, Lemayhew, I think, is a world class player and a guy who deserves a lot more respect on his name. But can he do what he did last year? You know, uh, he, could he replicate replicate amazing twice in a row? I think right. I think the biggest, I think the guy I can rely on most in that lineup, weirdly enough, 
is Glaber Torres. I think that's like a true tried and true superstar they have. Oh, that guy's a yeah, that that kid's a tremendous player. And yeah, he's, you know the Yankees are really the Yankees could be a house. Like they, yeah. they very easily could be like a 110 win team or whatever. But they're they're not. I don't think they're like a team without issues. You know, I, I Stanton still has to show. You know, he can stay healthy and 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 stay productive and. You know, like you said, you know, is DJ LeMay going to be the same guy that he was last year? I mean, he was, you know, out, you know, just tremendous last year. So, yeah, there's, you know, the Yankees can't just expect to come in there and, you know, everybody's going to just, you know, fall in front of them and it's going to be a cakewalk. I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah, and I mean, going across, you know, all sports. I mean, I, I when they when they brought Garrett Cole in, I looked at their bullpen with Britton and Chapman. I looked at the rest of the rotation. I looked at the hitters being healthy. I'm like, damn, this is this is the best team assembled I've seen on paper maybe in the last 10, 15 years, maybe in my entire life, you know, on 25 years of watching the game. Um, and then I look at the Warriors last year and realized I had the same reaction when they signed Marcus Cousins, and they lost. So, yeah, I'm like, and, anything and pitching can happen. Is, you know, pitching is so like... fragile. Oof. You know, yeah. I mean, you can say, oh, boy, everything's terrific, you know, and then in spring training, a guy has a sore arm, and next thing you know, he's not, you know, he's not playing for six weeks, you know, so. Yeah, I can't believe they gave him change a nine-year contract. A nine-year contract to a pitcher. Did you ever, in all your years of baseball, did you ever think that a guy was going to get a nine-year, three No, because it's, I mean, pitchers, you don't know what they're going to be like in two years. Never mind, never mind <laughs> you know, five years or nine years or anything like that. I mean. Yeah. yeah I, I don't even know what I'm having for lunch tomorrow. And they just signed a guy who, who whose arm, I hope it doesn't knock on wood. I'll never root for an injury to a young guy or or, or player who's got oh, a family sure, yeah. and, a li- and a life to live. Um, but anything could happen literally in one flick of the wrist or, or arm. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah, a crazy situation. Is- and they, and they have no explanation for it. Like they, you know, they have no idea when it's going to happen. It just sort of happens, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Peter, thank you so much for joining me this evening. I know you had a busy day, man. Uh, the show's going to come out tomorrow, guys. Uh, great, two great guests, you and Jared, and um, we hope to have you back soon when the season starts. And have a great weekend and great rest of your week, dude. Great. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. A lot of fun. All right. Take care. Again, another great interview there. Hope the format was good for you guys. We had a great time with both of our guests. Again, Peter Abraham, go check him out at the Boston Globe. Go check out our boy Jared Diamond, the Wall Street Journal, and his book coming out, Swing Kings. I don't even get a cut of this. It may seem like I get a cut of the profits because I'm plugging it so hard, but it features my boy J.D. Martinez, and y'all know I love him. So go check out the book. All right, guys? And enjoy this baseball season. I know, I know we've been a little sad, um, you know, a little salty sow uh, about the whole situation um, with the sign stealing scam. I mean, you guys know me. I-, I love the integrity of the game. I'll be the first to admit I'm a little harsh in that realm. But please do not lose your love for baseball. Enjoy the season. It's going to be a good one. There's more parity in the game. I think we'll see some surprise teams. I have I have friends texting me across the board. One guy's like, I think the Reds are going to win it all today. And I was like, you're crazy. And then he pointed it out after I've been dissing Reds, the Reds and using them as my bad example for this show and the last show. And I'm like, you know what? They may have a shot to win the Central. So anything could happen in baseball. Remember that. Remember why you love it. And enjoy the season. And drag both feet inbound. Swing on a full count. Rip that puck. Hit that putt. Hit your PKs because they free and hit your free throws. Why, guys? That's just me. Because they free. We out you. We love you. And we love you. Number two, Derek Jeter. Congratulations, Larry Walker. Congratulations. Let's go!
There's the pass to Leitner. Puts it up. Twenty twenty, a new year. It's the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. But finding qualified candidates can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than one hundred of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes and finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlighting the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.